Well, good afternoon, and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law, and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another very interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at our Harvard Business Review tip. Today's one is to get candid feedback, ask for it. We're just going to have our chat with uh, Christina. We're going to be looking at seven tips for you to work on over the next seven weeks. So we've got to get a little little of uh, tasks for you to do. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Kim Nicholson from HR On Hand. We're going to look at wages, underpayment and changes. Good afternoon, Kim. Good afternoon, Julian. And thanks for joining us again. So uh, today, we're going to cover what happened historically with wage underpayments in Australia. But we're also going to cover those new wave, uh, wage changes introduced in March 2020. Yes. We will cover lots of information, tips today, but always recommend any business to seek further advice based on their individual circumstances before moving forward with any actions. So firstly, what has been the wages underpayment challenges to date for employers? Yeah, well, it's a really hot topic uh, at the moment, um, but also a confusing one that extends not only to salaries and wages, but also overtime and superannuation. And the reason it's so confusing is in Australia, we have a very uh, or extremely complex employment and award system. Um, and so most awards or most industries have an award. Some of them have several awards. And those awards set out the minimum pay and employment conditions for their employees. And it's not following these awards that cause the majority of issues for both small and large employers. At the large business end, many of Australia's big brand names um, have been swept up in the unfortunate trend of employers Mm. who significantly underpaid their employees and have had to make amends with significant back payments and interest. And some of the the recent examples, uh, so we pulled out some of the most recent ones, so Super Retail Group, which is Rebel Sport, Super Cheap, BCF, it's reportedly that uh, their back payments were in the vicinity of $32 million plus $11 million in interest and payroll tax. So it's, it's, it's a massive impact to their mm. bottom line. Qantas, again, millions of dollars, and West Farmers, which is actually Bunnings, um, for their underpayment of superannuation. So it's believed that, the, that due to the complexity of our awards, and the employer's ability to interpret those correctly are the main issues that we're or why issues are actually occurring. And the way that they occur is that the conditions and pay in the award are unintentionally misinterpreted. So people look at it and they interpret one thing, but it may not be the right thing. Mm. And then there's those that are intentionally misinterpreted. And yes, that does happen. (laughs) Um, We've got a funny example in 2015 of a Melbourne business operator that was fined $228,000 Um, after admitting that they deliberately underpaid a vulnerable migrant employee because they thought that the minimum pay rates were just too high. Um, So they just didn't pay them what they should have Mm. been paid. Um, So that uh, that does happen. Um, A a new thing, uh, annualised salaries are incorrectly calculated um, and it's also very confusing. Um, salaries that are based on estimated hours that will work, but then for whatever reason, rosters change or COVID hits and it makes the original estimate incorrect and it's not fixed. Um, where pay increases are missed, so that might be uh, birthday increases, annual reviews um, and uh, missed uh, additional payments around increases to or, or changes to increased responsibilities and, and tasks. 
and where employees are paid less than the minimum rate. But it's not just big business that gets impacted. Um, this is where many small and medium, medium-sized businesses um, have been caught out and, and impacted. And the difference for small and medium-sized businesses is that they're less likely to be able to survive such significant impacts and are therefore at a much greater risk. Mm, so, so what are the potential impacts for employers around underpayment of wages and salaries? Yeah, it's really dependent upon the size of the business and the size of the issues. But if we look at some of the, the recent example, here's just a few impacts. So there's a significant hit to the bottom line budget for the year. Um, and on top of COVID, that's, that's like a double whammy. Um, your cash flow is significantly reduced due to back payments that might be required. Um, potential further penalties and interest charges for the mistakes that have been made. Um, Flow-on effects to the business from the financial impacts, including reduction of staff, closure of stores and locations, and not to mention your significant brand and reputational damage due to any negative media coverage that might come out of that situation. So what what can employers do to try and mitigate any underpayment problems for their own businesses? Yeah, look, there's a couple of things that they can do um, today to reduce your risk. So firstly, review the type of work that your employees are doing and make sure that you're using the correct award and interpreting the paying conditions um, for your employees uh, correctly. And if you're not sure, uh, Fair Work is always there to help employers to make sure um, they've also got a great website that you can do searches under. Um, and that's why we say, you know, if you're not sure, get some immediate advice around wages, overtime allowance and working hours because you want to be you want to be certain that you're paying your people uh, correctly. Third, set up a system and whether that's an Excel spreadsheet or an online system to catch information around each employee's classification. So um, under certain awards, they'll have a certain level or classification that they operate under. And that then governs their wages, overtime payments, allowances, hours worked, and that becomes a tool that you can use for every annual review and for an audit type of process, which is really important for employers. And fourthly, uh, for most awards, there's an increase effective on the 1st of July each year, which they call the national wage increase. Um, so diarise that to at an absolute minimum, um, have a look at it um, before the, the 1st of July rolls around. And we also recommend that you complete annual reviews for your staff and awards at that same time and that makes sure that everything's tying in at the right time and you only have to do the process once uh, once per year. Um, but we're, we're certainly saying if you haven't looked at it in a while, now is the time to, to have a look at it and then diarise to do it every July. So that covers the past. Now, what were the wage changes effective in March 2020 and how do I know if they impact my business? Yes. So from 1st of March 2020, if you pay your employees an annual salary, um, you've got additional legal obligations or legislative obligations. And so to clarify what an annual salary is, it's a fixed regular payment. So if you're paying somebody on a fortnightly or a monthly basis, which is often, and it's often expressed as an annual sum, as, as opposed to weekly wages um, that are paid on an hourly, daily or, or weekly type, type scenario. And so the additional um, obligations for you as an employer is there's more stringent record keeping required. So you need to have written records of the annualised salary that you pay. The award provisions uh, need to be included in that and start and finish times and unpaid breaks need to be documented. And then the second thing is that you need to complete an annual employment either every 12 months from the date that you begin the annualised salary arrangement um, 
ideally, and the audit must compare with what you would pay the employee under the award. So if you're paying somebody above the award, you need to make sure that under the award that they're no worse off. They need to be at least equal, um, but ideally better than what the award conditions do. And why? Um, so the changes are designed to ensure that a, that a minimum that you pay the employees properly is in accordance with the applicable award. So that, they're just trying to make it a more regimented process. So if I've, if I've identified that I'm impacted by these changes, what would I need to do? Yep. So to understand if it impacts you in your business, you need to look at what you're paying your employees. So each pay period, weekly or fortnightly, making sure that it's against the award, that you're paying them the right amount, including overtime allowances, penalties, or if you're paying above the award and pay them on an annualised salary, so you're paying them fortnightly or annually, you must ensure that any over-award payments um, that are paid must be at least equal to or ideally um, better than, than the award. And as, a, as an employee, you may find or you may have found that the new annualised salaries arrangement is difficult and time-consuming to, to manage with all your other business commitments. So um, sometimes uh, the award may be easier for employees to, to follow as opposed to an annualised. However, you always need to remember that as an employer that if you fail to comply with the terms of a modern award, um, annualised wage clause, you could face the risk of underpayment claims and penalties for breaching the award conditions. So our really strong recommendation is to get cracking on this now and have a look at it to avoid any potential risk from, from your business. Um, and, and obviously, if you're not sure, seek advice. Just get, get help and get it sorted and get it all in, in line. Great. Well, thanks very much, Kim, for all that valuable information. Fortunately, in my business, I'm only me. So I don't have to worry, but uh, I don't. I don't know how much I pay myself. <laughs> That's good. That's so thank good. you, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again another time. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Kim Nicholson, there with some very important facts because we do have have read it all in the newspapers and. Uh, Small businesses, medium businesses could get caught up as well. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. What a beautiful day it is today. It is nice today, isn't it? So you're going to give us some work to do. Seven tips to work on over the next seven weeks. Yeah, so we've had multiple conversations over the last few weeks. I thought we might do a little bit of a summary yeah. um, and give people that... that summary to work on. Seven tips for seven weeks. Let's go. Let's put things into action. So number one is now is the time to show up. So we've talked a lot about trust and transparency. Now is the time to show up as your true, authentic, real self, wherever you are, whether it's at business, whether it's at home, um, whether it's at networking events or whether you're giving advice to somebody, wherever it is, show up. Now is the time to really show up. And, of course, uh, that trust is important when we see what's going on in the political scenes at the moment. More and more and more important. So wherever we look, leaders are uh, potentially not showing up with trust and transparency and it's causing amazing concerns amongst businesses, amongst individuals. You know, in the US there's riots, there's people randomly shooting each other. It's just disgusting how mm, we're acting mm. as human beings. So show up now with trust and transparency. Number two... Vision, values, mission. Be aligned. Really get into them like they are something to be proud of. They are something to work towards and aspire to. So 
set the vision, values and missions. If you've never done it before, do it now. If you've got them buried in a cupboard or buried in a drawer somewhere, pull them out, make sure they're aligned and use them as your benchmark. And, and is that important we share that with other people too, isn't it? Absolutely. So everybody should know. And, and they should be the benchmarks by which you then go on to. So if we go to number three, which is networking, collaboration, co-opetition, the vision, values and mission should actually be the benchmarks that you work with those people on. So if they're not aligned with your vision, values um, and mission, you don't work with them. It's, they should be benchmarks for people that you hire, benchmarks for projects that you take on, benchmarks for people that you network with. So number three, network, collaborate, and consider those people that you might actually go into co-opetition with. So who can you work with instead of against? Who can you share information with instead of hide from um, in order to create products, services that are really going to move us forward? And I might add there that it's also important to consider your competition and they could very well be someone you can work with as well. Absolutely, and that's why we say co-opetition. You know, that there's... Yeah. That the, every single rule has changed, which I'm not going to get to until number seven. Okay. So, number four, take, now's the time to take risks and be visionary. Right now, everything has changed. Now is the time to take risks and be visionary. So we spoke last week about a few organisations that take risks, that even reward risks, that fail, learn the lessons. You know, it's time that we just put all the rhetoric um, and, and put the rhetoric part of it aside and actually walked the talk. So take risks. If they don't work, fail, fail fast, move on to the next thing. But be visionary because, as we discussed also last week, the budget wasn't that visionary. It was quite safe and, and leading us into where we're, we're hopefully um, going to progress and things will get economically better. Hopefully they don't get too much worse before they get better. Mm. But now's the time for mm. businesses to be visionary and to take that risk. Number five, find your niche. The world is your market. Mm. Mm. Technology has made it so that the world is our market. We can niche right down. If you have a look at some of the really successful businesses, they really started with a niche market. So the niche, where you want to sit, align it with vision and values, Figure out how you can network in, but find that niche and then go global with it. Number six is mindset, mindset, mindset. Right now, everything comes down to how we're feeling and how we're reacting and where our mindset is. So we've spoken a lot over the last few years about resilience, about tenacity, about allowing yourself the five minutes to, to crawl into the fetal position, feel sorry for yourself and, and go look at all the things that aren't working, but then get up. Consider all the things that are working and how you're going to, with resilience and persistence, go forward. So mm. mindset, mindset, mindset. Number seven, the world over is in the same position. Right now we're daily, you know, hearing on a daily basis of figures of coronavirus going up in Europe, going up in the US, they're going into winter. Although I have to say that there's not much research that supports the fact that winter um, is a reason for the, for the figures to go up. Mm. Regardless of that, the world has never been in the same position as it is right now. It's time, if there was ever a time for us to rewrite the rules, now, now. is that time. Now mm. is that time. So if we want to band together, if we want to work together, it's the way that we're going to go forward. So rewrite the rules. The world is in the same situation as we are. In fact, you know, we are actually in a better position than a lot of people around the world in, in Australia, in New Zealand. Um, in our in our neck of the woods, but now's the time 
to, if we think that things need to change, now's the time to force that change. Right. Well, thank you very much for that homework. Um, we might uh, go through over the next seven weeks, just mention each one each week. We just can to, indeed. Just to remind us that's the one we should be working on. This week, absolutely. Look forward to it, Julian. Have thank a great you. week. Have a great You too have a good week. Christina there with those tips and, uh, yeah, we hear, we hear all these things. Are we doing them? Wait and see. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 27 minutes to two, time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, to get candid feedback, ask for it. Getting honest, useful feedback is the fastest route to better performance. But people are sometimes too nice to share the full picture or too intimidated to be fully truthful. You need to be clear that you want honest feedback. If you say, don't be nice, be helpful, people will be less likely to hold back. Instead of asking what you did wrong, ask what you could do better going forward. Try not to judge any feedback you receive, whether it's positive or negative. Just thank people for being honest with you and let them know that you find their observations and opinions helpful. Try to write down what they say. A little silence communicates that you're taking feedback seriously and it gives people time to think about what else they might add. And don't just ask once. Give people multiple opportunities to give you real feedback. So that's a great little little tip there and probably one that fits in nicely with the seven tips that uh, Christina just uh, gave us. Um, by the way, if you uh, missed writing them down, you can always visit the podcast and uh, listen to them again. So thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed that program. I hope you go back and have a look at the podcast. Next, in a moment, Jane Klein is going to be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to look at nine essential things your website needs with Kimberly Claire Campbell, a digital advisor with Hunter Region Business Hub. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Henry David Thoreau once said, success usually comes to those who are too busy to look for it. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.